Doctor Who is dark on invasion. Prologue. It was a choice made by someone else. Fit in, that's what they say. It's vital that you try to fit in. But she didn't want to fit in. She wanted to be herself. In second now, said the doctor with sand, with the sand shoes. I'm going to stop that countdown, both of you together. Urgent red numbers on the clock stood at 0.051, slightly less than a minute. And then, said a slightly younger-looking doctor with a waistcoat, we're going to negotiate the most perfect peace treaty of all time. Safeguards all around, interrupted the doctor with sand shoes. Completely fair on both sides. I would have done the third, the third one in the room. The old one, the beard, had never really thought of himself as the doctor until now. Watch from his smile, beginning to break across the sad lines of his face. Like long for rainwater through a dried up riverbed. A key to perfect navigation, said the waistcoat. It's not knowing what side you're on, said Sanchez. With Sanchez and the waistcoat kicked their long legs against the tail, slid back against their, their chairs, with theoretical flourish, got to their feet, two doctors at the height of their power, doing what they did best in improvising. So for the next two hours, said Sanchez, till we decide to let you out, said waistcoat, no one in this room will be able to identify, be able to remember if they're human or Zergon. Adonis doctor banished their screwdrivers and jumped onto the, in, onto the table. One of them rather undermining the intensity of the moment by shutting out the old action hero and standby. Oops, a daisy. They aimed their screwdriver at a small device, looking something like a smoke detector, completely concealed quietly in the ceiling of the room. It clearly wasn't a smoke detector. However, it failed to detect itself. It's as it glowed brighter and brighter and emitted a gigantic belch of mine or drink gas, the old doctor wrinkled, battered virgin, the voice seemed to have turned and broken in torment the battlefield, took out his sonic screwdriver too and joined in with the boys. All of a sudden he felt more optimistic than he had been in centuries, ready, ready once more to be joining in. Let the device have it, whatever it was. At the moment, everything in the room was dazzling light. The gas was filled. And the air filled the air. Everyone inhaled. Everyone who was not the doctor fell asleep. Everyone was not the doctor lost their memory of who they were. Most later, people woke up. A urgent red countdown clock stood at 0018, 007, 006, detonation to two panic voices in perfect unison. The clock stopped at 0005. Two panic voices belonged to two women called Kev. Kate Lethbridge Stewart, although known professionally as plain Jane Stewart, Kate Stewart. Besides the Kates and the Doctor, who just shouted them out peace in our time, there were two, three other people in the room. One was a woman in the 20s called Clara Oswald, who travelled with Waistcoat Doctor when she felt like it. The other two were a young scientist called Oswald, and the other two young scientists, another young scientist called Oswald. One of Kate Stewart's was an alien duplicate, as was one of the old schools, a living first male, perfect in every respect, a zygon. Room? Room's called the Black Archive. Its ferocity for the most secret and dangerous alien technology had been collected over the years. Place of things which should not be on Earth, but which somehow were. 
Even its own staff were not allowed to know what it held. They had their memories wiped after every shift. Something that the people who worked in Black Card Life always meant to raise human resources, but never remembered to do. Above the room was the Tower of London. Beneath the room was a nuclear bomb. Over the two hours, next two hours, Kate Stewart, Kate Stewart, ignorant, the doctors suggested, on which side they were on, <coughs> negotiated the so-called perfect peace treaty. Zergons, a peace of creatures, <coughs> could borrow the forms of other creatures whose home planet had been destroyed in war, which the older doctor had lost his name, among other things, when the middle mountain invasion. Invasion was not to stop, but the Zergons were to be allowed to remain on Earth. They would be take human form and stay that way. Kate Stewart and school would support the system in every in their new life. Change was this. Zergons would have been caught off the attempt to take over the planet. Earth and generally do their best to fit in. As the doctors instructed, Kate and Kate and Osgood and Osgood built in safeguards fairness. They tried to imagine the ways in which a Serraro play out and how a ceasefire could be maintained. It was the very best they could do in the scant few hours they were given. After the papers were all signed and hands were shaken, human zergons regained their knowledge of which was which and who was who. Doctors moved on to their other business elsewhere. Picking up the pieces started. Picking up the pieces started and the piece began in earnest. The doctors centuries passed on earth, more than like a couple of years, but nothing is ever perfect. Is there ever an easy solution to a difficult problem? Soon enough, the same people find themselves back in the same room, trying to solve the very same problem. And this time, they could know exactly who was who. Chapter 1 Operation Double Osgood said about Cambridge and called their message. A world, a tank top with question marks on it under their waist, like lab coat. They were in the basement of safe houses. A safe house in southeast London, operated by unit United Fired Intelligent Task Force. Osgood had been a unit scientific advisor for some time. It ran in the family. Their father had been done pretty much done pretty much the same job in the seventies or eighty two. He's always seemed to have an exciting time. He tried in fifty with one eye a decent pension. Osgood had always wanted to be like their father. So they put in their application and been approved. Osgood walked alongside Kate Stewart, chief scientific officer, whose father had also worked in unit back in the day. If unit had been remotely public facing or in the least bit accountable, they would surely have been eyebrows raised about level nepotism. They seemed to be permissible there. It seemed to work more or less. Nobody asked too many questions. Another thing about which unit managed to keep society quiet was this of their former scientific advisor, mysterious travelling time and space known as the Doctor. I was going to meet him once at unit picnic, when he was still they were still a child. At the time he'd been dressed like a refugee on one of the sixty TV shows, and now he used to repeat used to be repeated tea times on BBC two, all the velvet jackets and frills. He did a little magic show for wit for the little was good, and kept them enchanted. He introduced them to Godzilla, Godzilla cheese, 
version of the doctor disappeared sometime later, praised by another with long scarf and curly hair, who was even more intriguing, Osgood, who kept tabs on him over the years, had become quite a fan. Other Osgood came into the room and sat beside Osgood, who was already there. This Osgood wore a multicoloured scarf similar to the one <coughs> the curly doctor used to sport. Did you hear one to start? said Osgood. No, you can, said Osgood. Osgood was getting to know themselves. They thought the best way to ensure that things well be- well between them was to be excessively polite and apologise to one another as much as possible. One was human, the other was icon. To begin with, they had the same idea of who was who, which was which. As more than two Osgoods lived together, the more the line between them became blurred, the more they forgot themselves. After shakedown of Black Archive, the Zergon doubles of Kate Stewart and various others around the world have vacated their stolen falls, come different. The Osgoods had stayed the same. Doctor felt this was important to maintain the ceasefire. It'd be there would be a living symbol peace. As someone who who could be an honest broker with no agenda, able to move between various sides and factions, with knowledge of what it was like to be human and what it was like to be Zargon. To begin with, Osgood had found it rather intrusive, perpetually having a doppelganger, mooching around, reminding themselves of all their blemishes, confronting themselves all the time, the way they looked and breathed and hunched their shoulders. But to be honest, Osgood had always been rather lacking in friends' department. Feeling something of an outsider, it turned out to be something about the other self. They rather liked. They shared a small two-bedroom flat in Stockwell, just as a self-Lambeth Road. Both of us would have paid a decent summary for being, for doing the same job. They, uh, they only had to do half the work that they used to. In their spare time, they took an up Batman. Shall we do it together? They turned to the camera. Hello, they said. Operation Double, the Zergon Peace Treatment. They said in unison, just in their glasses. I'm Osgood, said one with a tank top. I'm also Osgood. Said the woman with the scarf, remember that. I admit it would be important later. Operation Doubles cover operation, said the at first, getting down to business outside of the normal unit structures. We settle, we house an alien race. If series could see on planet Earth, if the units help, continue the second clearing their throat. Twenty million Zargons have been allowed to take human form, then have been dispersed around the world, and now living amongst us. They live in peace for usefully, they're doing this without the knowledge of any Earth authorities. Other orders cut it up a little. In most countries, said the first, what we've done would be considered treason. At the very least, it's an alien invasion. Sorry for that, but it's probably better than an alternative. We're making this record in case something goes wrong, said the second, in case you infuriated, in case something occurs to the master's elbows, in case one of us both of us died. There's something rather anonymous about this, this last sentence. And each of us could feel a shadow from a mission round for their body. Is this someone who just walked across their grave? Zygons are peace race, continued Osgood. Their shape shifting abilities should not be considered a weapon. It's a survival mechanism. Embedded itself in other cultures, they've analyzed in their new bodies in peace and harmony lately. Any race is capable of the best and the worst. Every race is peaceful, one like good and evil. My race is no exception, said Zargon. Osgood. And mine is neither mine, said he. 
They rose, they reached forward, put their hand on a blue wooden box sitting on the table in front of them. That's why the doctor left this, us this, they said with their voice skipping a little with excitement. A name of their hero. It's called the old school book, box, they said with some pride. If they'd been paying attention, they'd be able to guess why. If you've been paying attention, be able to guess why. Box to cover the card symbols. It clearly contains something important. There'd been a similar box t- kicking around and it's a definitive day in the Black Archive. Similar lot that the Doctor used to solve a similar problem. This is the last result, continues Osgood. Final sanction. Pray that this box is never needed. Because of it, if it is, that means the ceasefire has bre- been breached. We're on the verge of war. With 20 million shapes changing zygons, the person around the world. That is a nightmare scenario. A few months after the Osgoods sat in the basement, the unit safe house, left their recording. One of them indeed did indeed die. Osgood was vaporized by Missy, an enemy of the doctor, known previously the master. The other Osgood was alone again. It's harder than they could ever have possibly imagined. The loss of a person who had very quickly become their closest friend and twin, a person who shared their experiences, feelings, and memories, was painful enough as it in itself. The severing of such a primal link between two people who had more or less become one, the same, came sanguine, who began to live in uh, one's other bodies, one another's minds was almost unbearable. Osgood thought. It very hard to recover. Found it very hard to recover. They had to, but they had to, because that was business to take care of. And things were starting to deteriorate. Six months after the video recording been made, guns were firing. Explosion, blue dust from the sandy streets up to the hot air desert, hot desert air, choking, terrifying. Middle of the war zone, a midst of a final fight, is one of the most intense, incredible situations a person can find themselves in. Death, codite, electricity. Osgood, the single, the sole surviving Osgood, ran across the square to a police station, a white plastered building which looked like an ancient heritage. It was in a town called Truth and Conquences. It was in New Mexico in the United States of America. Osgood dodged a screaming hell of bullets. A man with a bloody face staggered past. Perhaps he was human, perhaps he was Zygon. But Osgood could not stop to help. Either way, they, they needed to make a call. The two years, the terms of peace agreement had been comprehensively beat, breached, and the situation was out of control. So the station Osgood looked desperately round for help. Vice assistance, but none was obtainable. It looked like all the police in this particular box. They were either dead or missing. Another explosion much nearer blew through the windows of scattered stones and sand across the room. Enemies closing in. Time was limited. Osgood crouched under a desk in an office of the station commander. Squared their back to the wall and took out their inhaler. Blasted stories cleared their lungs and their head. They brought their phone came They brought their phone Close, squinting through the broken lenses of the glasses and found the contact they're looking for. Osgood made a prayer they had, and they had reception. Their phones wasn't damaged, but that he could would answer. Then everything stopped. Something was in the room with them. 
something breathing with wheezing, unnatural sound, sound of creatures used. To the atmosphere of earth, the sound of the zygon, its natural form. This couldn't be the natural form, thought the Oscar to himself. Why are they doing this? Every substance sounded across the floor. Oscar peered out, two reddish red green feet stomped across the dust and broken glass, paused. Oscar knew they were being hunted, scented. They hoped the smell of death in the air would mask the scent of fear. He took the phone with trembling hands, trying to type out a message as best as they could. Looked around the whole time, wishing the sound of breathing. Heavy footsteps would take a different turn. Osgood could sense the creature's mind reaching out for them. Fishing for a trick, tick of the brain chemicals, listening for the beat of the heart. Osgood typed the message, cursing autocorrect in the sweat of their fingers. They, then they looked up. Footsteps had gone, the room was silent. Had the hunter moved away? Osgood leaned slightly forward, peered out from beneath the table, moving slowly, as slowly as they possibly could. A claw snatched them, grabbed their neck, dragged them violently out from their hiding place. Zogon sneered, burying piranha-like teeth, and raised its hand to Osgood's temples. A crackling bolt of electricity shot right through their brain, a sting of the Zygon. Osgood crumbled into vivium. The hand let go of the phone, it clattered to the floor. The last surviving Osgood gone dark. It hard as doctors playing these Qatar. Amazing faces style one of his former travelling companions, Jimi Hendrix. The doctor was tall and thin, with grey, chuckle grey hair, and blue do- blue eyes beneath fierce brows. He sounded Scottish, but preferred to think himself as Gallifreyan. Seen on the consoles that came to life, incoming message was good. The doctor walked towards the screen and culminated Grimaces of gravity of his most thousands of lived years falling across his face. He knew before it came what message could be. Nightmare scenario. Chapter 2 The Twins at the Park. Hi, this is Kerr Osgood. I'm probably on the tube or in outer space. Leave the message beep. Hello, this is Dr. Disco. I'm in 21st century, but don't know what the month. That what month? I'm staking out some of the most dangerous creatures imaginable. Got a pause to watch a primary school teacher lead a crocodile line of school children through the empty playground in which he's currently sitting. It's a grey afternoon to turn the season from autumn to winter. Brockwell Park in South London, Tyler's Park nearby. Two small girls with pigtails, identical twins. One with silver and a rat stuck, the other holding something similar, rising monster high. Stopped at the end of the line and looked coolly over to, at him. He stared at him, he from his swing. They were dead, these were deadly creatures to which he was, he was very. Already under deep cover, the doctor went on, on into phone. Trying not to attract suspicion. Got a swing, call me, give me calls, Clara. Nightmare scenario, worried. Fudders hung up, took off his sunglasses, made for the climbing frame, where the pigtail twins were playing. While their teacher was trapped across the park. Okay, hey you, Monster High, said Marilla. Down off the monkey bars and listen to me. We need to talk. Get me Colonel Walsh, said Katie. A lower voice. Jack, I need you to correlate the Operation Double. Locations. Kate Stewart and Jack, her deputy, settled, settled down 
twelve flights of stairs in Utton, this huge house, not so far away from where the doctor was currently undercover in the playground. This was a unit safe house where Osgood had made their tape, and where the most this most secret of secret plans been acted. Jack was bringing up data on her iPad. Coordinate to the locations? We're talking about 20 million Zygons, said Jack, harassed and anxious. They stopped at the door of, of a room which used to be of, of Gorn's, old Gord's office. And most of the data, Jack's voice tailed off. Most of the data had been with Osgood, and now she's missing in action, presumed dead. Kate pulls too. Here's Osgood's desk, just across the room, the photo of Osgood's dad. Scarf inhaler, things that meant something or someone who was no longer there. Do what you can, replied Kate, the catch in a voice. Start with any that, that may, any that have any intelligent flags in the last six months. Jack followed Kate in the main operational area, passing various unit personnel were very busy at the workstations. Jack's iPad screen flashed. Colonel Walsh was coming through. Kate looked up on a video call and a big screen. Walsh, turn in is the end, said a serious-looking woman in a red barrette and black military tunic, bearing the ribbons of her many campaigns. She was units field commander the situation, currently stationed in a distant, desolate country on the edge of Kadamat Dam Desert, the old Silk Road, greasy, the outside, suspicious activity. A new rival, said asked Kate. One replied, Colonel Walsh, picture's not very good. Footage from a spy drone broke through on Kate's screen. A black and white view, remote encampment, a mountain at the edge of the West Asian Stepping. Of the only training camp, training camp for a breakaway Zygon faction. Kate put on her glasses. Two figures could be seen leading a third. Only one of them looked human. Can you zoom in? Another prisoner? The image focused in, clarified it was good. The other, that were, were the Zygon captors.